Welcome along to Scoreline Extra, the podcast that tries to condense down some of the sport and action that we had here at KCLR at the weekend. And what an absolutely huge weekend it was, particularly in terms of GEA. Moonkind progressing to a Leinster final. Was it one of our live games? We went live for Glenmore taking on Nace. And we'll hear from Tom Mullally, the Glenmore man managing Nace, also the Carlow manager after that game. We'll also have post-match audio from the hugely entertaining game between Shamrocks versus Offaly St. Rhinus going down to the dying embers we'll hear post-match from James O'Connor Evan Shefflin Joey Holden and St. Rhinus manager Paul Quirk also former World Darts Youth Champion Keane Barry will be looking to make his mark at this year's World Championship we'll be hearing from him Carlos record scorer Paul Broderick recently retired alongside fellow clubmate Shane Redmond from inter-county football we'll get his thoughts also the thoughts of former Irish fly half Mick Quinn who is here to discuss the opening round of the Champions Cup with all four provinces involved. We'll hear from Brian O'Reilly in regards to the Carlow District Soccer League. Speaking of soccer, Blessing Kingsley joins us to talk securing the Western Division title with Southern Mississippi. She was recently named the United Coaches All-Star Region team as well. Alan Nolan is here to talk GEA development at IT Carlow, as well as Dixborough Camogie player Nee Phelan, who was here to discuss her recent awarding of the Scoreline Sportsperson of the Month. We're going to start with the Shamrocks post-match audio. Brendan caught up with James O'Connor, Evan Shefflin, Joy Holden and St. Rhinos manager Paul Quirk. Here's James O'Connor. James, I suppose you just said to me, oh, very met hard work of it, but as Joy Holden said, it's champions hurling, it's county champions, and you know, at every level, junior, intermediate and senior, and you're always going to be asked questions, but that was a tough day at the office for you. Tough day at the office, I tell you, that last 20 seconds, I'll never forget, <laughs> I'll be honest with you. It's easy, I can laugh, no, I wasn't laughing then, I can tell you, but um, look, uh, fair juice to, to St. Rhinos, they put up on one hell of a battle, I gave it everything, didn't help when we were down to 14 men for, you know, three quarters of that game, um, but look, uh, you know, we started well, went up again nine, nine or ten points in the first 15 minutes, which I was delighted with. Um, and then just, you know, just got stuck in a rut for a bit and they came at us and they just kept chipping point after point. Then they got their goal and, you know, going in at half time, I think there was only three points in it, a goal. Yeah. And it was always going to be a battle for the second half team, you know. Um, they really grew into it, didn't they? They did. Look, they grew in confidence. And look, again, you know, when you have the extra man, you know, you will, you'll be a little bit bolder, like, you know, in the first 15 minutes they were standing off us and you know we were popping the ball over the bear you know they had that extra man back there they felt they had, they, look they just had way more confidence uh, in themselves so look it, it was a huge huge task for us and like you know we went down to the last 20 seconds high ball floated and we, we you know put inside the back of the net but um, that's what Shamrock do didn't it you know? the referee let the game flow um, did Joey say anything to you when um, Joe Goody after the sending off or what did you make of it I know you were on the far side of the park but some people felt it wasn't a sending off others said it was it's a talking point but uh, he gets a straight red card and it doesn't help it doesn't help I didn't think it was a sending off I'll be honest with you and like Joey, knowing Joey Goody he's not a guy who would be aggressive like that I just think it was uh, just a little bit maybe a bad timing um, I thought Joey went into the tackle your man just as he was going in just kind of bent down for the ball or whatever uh, and both lads just kind of collided with each other so I, I thought it was very harsh I'll be honest with you Winter conditions anyway the extra time looked a different game altogether you just blew them away It did look we got a warning then uh, we did at half time we had to revert back to the 15 on 15 which is massive 
um, and looked straight from the off. We banged over two or three points. You know, we were five or six ahead at, at, at after the ten minute mark, and look, we ended up eight or nine points uh, winners at the end. So, look, very happy, very happy uh, with the extra time. And in fairness, the lads, you know, their fitness really showed as well. You know, they really kicked on for the extra time there. So, you had the comfort of bringing Darren back in. I was worried about him and Carlo last week, but he recovered mm. quite well. He played well when he when you introduced him. Yeah, he was he was a massive addition back there. Um, and in fairness to Joey Holden as well, I thought the guy was just unbelievable. Yeah. The, he kept going and going, you know, and he did you know he did the full stretch. Um, and down to the last ten minutes there, he was still catching balls all over fellas' heads and coming out with it. You know, a really reliable fullback, fantastic player. Clock Balakala next week. They had a big win last night representing Leash. As I said, James, it's a great competition because mm. the Carlow teams, the Leash teams, the Offaly teams, all the weaker counties, they're all after doing quite well in this competition. And they're asking after asking your last questions. But you're in a final. Uh, Patelani from he said to me on radio that the Shamrocks are only going to their own backyard next week but however it's a final and it has to be won yeah I hope you're right with that um, I'm looking forward to Crow Park now next week again um, but uh, again look I saw them last night now I was watching them and I couldn't I thought their work rate was outstanding yeah, you know they brought fierce and f- uh, ferocious intensity to the game battled all their right to the end deserving winners in the end uh, I thought um, and again now we're going to be we're going to be getting another massive battle again next Sunday but look this is what isn't it great for the Leinster Championship to have games like this you know like like what a spectacle this is at the moment like uh, the crowd even here today like you know they loved every minute and no one left uh, early they, everyone kept to the bitter end because look anything, anything could have happened out here today like are you worried at times because in the second quarter there you only scored two points and then in the third quarter you scored three points so your ratios were poor enough and their average coming into this game was 16 points a game and they had 11 scores scored at half time okay you still held the lead but uh, the difference in your performance in extra time was unbelievable but normally favourites do dominate extra time they do I suppose yeah no look I I was very disappointed with some of our shooting um, in the second half there was five or six points there that were you know well within range well within our range and we driving balls wide you know a bit careless I have to say so no look the lads are having a good tongue lashing over that but um, you know like because you know look there are things that put you under pressure then like you know because down to the 40 I mean you just can't be missing those frees like you know but look thankfully we came out of it in extra time played really well got some great scores um, fitness and everything held up so very happy in the end what's it feel like to be going to Croke Park Christmas week brilliant place to be I just hope we don't have to go through this again <laughs> well listen safe journey back to Lismore well done today thanks for all the entertainment and we look forward to more next week great Brendan thanks a million thanks a million James good man thank you I didn't mind. Well, as the bus pulls away, you're heading back to Dublin, Evan Chef, and you're studying in DCU, a great GA college. Um, sum up that game for me. <laughs> How long do you have, Brendan? Um, I don't know, to be honest, it's, that was the, the, the scariest game I've ever played. Um, Huge credit to St. Ryan's. I like I can't I can't sum up how unbelievable they were. Obviously, you know, fourteen and fifteen is hard, but they absolutely made one hundred percent use of what they had and absolutely fair play to them. Fantastic team. No rest for the wicket. It's straight back into it next weekend. Croke Park is somewhere we have been before, so there's experience there. But uh, Clock Balakal, as I mentioned to your previous speakers here, with us on KSLR 96 of him, but uh, a one week turnaround again, and he picked up a bit of a knock, but I think they're going to be all right. Yeah, I'll be grand. But uh, yeah, look. look it's where you want to be, you know. You want to be hurling week in, week out, playing in Crow Park. There's no better, uh, bigger stage than playing in Crow Park. So, uh, look, we'll um, dust ourselves down, 
get ready for Black Balacala now on Sunday and really go to war with them. You pitched them with your trademark two points, you'll average two or three again. We always fancy for two or three. You got two lovely ones today. Um, what was going through your mind when the, the, the last few seconds when that 65 was gone in? You, know, you knew they needed a goal, I suppose. What was going through your mind? Because it's hard to beat Ballyhill Shamrocks and you were on the ropes, you were on the canvas. Yeah, look, we're probably known for getting those fluky goals at the end, but um, like. It's, it's hitting hope at that stage, you know. You don't you don't want to think you're a bet, but when you're looking at the clock and there's 20 seconds left and you're three points down, you're kind of you're thinking the worst. Like, but uh, look, thankfully Owen Owen snuck in there and got to the the one that mattered. That's a 15 match on beaten run outside of Kilkenny now for Shamrocks and Leinster. That's a great record, but still one more to go for 2021 next week. Yeah, look, um, we'll take it one game at a time. We don't we don't see it as 15 games unbeaten. We just see it as just beating St. Ryan's today and luckily to be in a Leinster final you know so um, we just you know we, we don't really get hung up on all that thing we just take one game at a time we just want to win every game we play so that's that's really it yeah. a few tough Sundays passed by Rangers last week a Kenny County final a few weeks ago and you know but here we are and we're on the way to Croke Park Evan and it's great yeah absolutely like just uh, come up to Christmas as well like you don't want to be at anything else really you did you buy me anything <laughs> <laughs> we'll see we'll see how we'll see how things go well listen Seth journey back to Dublin regards to Ross Mully and all the team at DCU and uh, what are you studying up there uh, biomedical engineering well, good man yourself well listen the very best of luck and the very best of luck next week we look forward to seeing you and uh, Seth journey back thanks very much Brendan thanks Evan good man thank you uh, Joy Holden uh, you could write a book I suppose about that match you got off to a blistering start they got back into it to compete it very well you got it extra time and you blew them away. Sum it up. Yeah, I don't know if we were writing the book, we wouldn't write that that kind of script. But um, yeah, it was topsy-turvy, Jared. You know, we started very well and then I suppose we maybe took the foot off the gas and they got a, a second wind and kind of came into it. Then the sending off kind of helped them. But um, that's what you get this time of year. It's, it's a bit sloppier conditions, but it's about heart and it's about fight. And they showed savage heart. And I think we did as well to come back with 14 men and, and to get that equalising goal. Bit of luck involved as well, but you need them going along the way. Favourites nearly always dominate extra time. You really come out, you shot five without replay. They got their first score in that first minute, first ten minutes, first period of extra time rather, uh, at the death. But uh, you gave them too much to do then, but you really nailed it in that extra time period. Yeah, I suppose we were back up to 15 then and we we're held to find our players a bit better. And I suppose that's one, one thing we said, we weren't finding our players and we were letting them maybe too much space. So we really focused on maybe closing up the space and trying to find our own players and get into the, the best scoring position and take our scores. We, a lot of scores in the second half there, they drifted off from the left hand post and things like that so plenty to work on but listen we got over the line that's what it's all about There's been a few scary moments you got a frightened Carlo last week you got a frightened Tullamore today and of course Clock Balacala who had a great win over Kilmacud yesterday are your opponents now and it's Croke Park for Joey Holden and TJ Reid and Ballyhell Sharmas and company and at this time of year you don't think you're going to be playing in Croke Park but you're delighted to be Christmas week Absolutely yeah but like people say maybe sometimes forget you're playing champions now you're in the champions competition so these teams have been through the middle they've been through tough games they know how to win they've won in their own respective counties so we can be under no illusions maybe some people think it's going to be a walk in the park but we don't and we showed against Mount Leinster last week it showed against Rhinos this week and no doubt it'll show it next week but listen it's great to be going in Crow Park Christmas week you know it's great for the families of Ballyhale going up to Crow Park so we'll, we'll try and make it a good weekend hopefully Last week we feared for Darren and Carlo it looked like a serious enough injury but he came on there in the second half and he really played
played well beside you there, right corner back position. He was, it was a big turning point in the game also. Yeah, absolutely. Darren is well experienced for a young man at this stage, you know. So, but you need everybody, you know. You need everyone throwing their, their shoulders to the wheel, and some lads went off, and I think Colin went off with a bit of an injury there. You so. gave us a fright as well. We thought you were in trouble, and the next thing the ball went in, you come out, you won it as if you were only after starting. <laughs> That's one of the ways that he made the most of it there. So I don't know, but listen, <laughs> no, I'm all right. It's a little bang, but listen, you have them in game, so we'll recover now, get the bodies right, and hopefully give it a good lash next Sunday. How tougher conditions out there? I know soft underfoot. Was it blustery on the pitch side? Uh, not too bad, you know. We're in the middle of December, so maybe sometimes I'd expected worse. But no, it wasn't too bad. In fairness, pitches are in good condition considering the time of year we're in. So no, there's no complaints there. You've had a great year. It's not over yet. Next Sunday, Beckons, we look forward to that. Yeah, hopefully we can crown it now next Sunday. But listen, Ballycoller are probably thinking the same thing. So it'll be 50-50 and we look forward to it. Joy, thanks a million. And happy right. Christmas. I'll probably see much. you next week, but happy Christmas anyway. Uh, thanks very much. Thanks. Thanks, Joy. Uh, Paul Quirk, commiserations on your own performance, well done, but uh, you nearly had that, didn't have it, but you played the best team in the world I suppose today. We did, yeah, um, I suppose, we went to the well, we gave it, we gave it absolutely everything, um, I mean, we were three points up, time was up and I remember looking up that scoreboard going, Jesus, are we going to finally get the chance to play in, in Crow Park, but typically Kilkenny, you're never beaten and... Uh, yeah, I think at the end, I remember TJ had the ball in his hand and I thought, oh no, it's going to be a penalty here. And I think someone just got the pull on it and went over the line. Um, and that's typically Kenny, you're never beaten like. Owen oh, Cody, young hurler of the year, the pull on it. You know, a great experience as I was playing a team like it. But as you said yourself, nearly had it. Three points up in at a time, heartbreak. And 15 against 14, descending off a bit of a turning point as well. Yeah, it was. Um, it was a turning point. I, suppose, I think we were coming though at the time. I think we had got the game back maybe, I don't know, was it back to four points maybe yeah. at that stage and uh, I think we were coming um, after a poor enough start and we were beginning to turn over ball, use ball really well and um, I think that gave us another push on um, and especially when we went into the third water break, I think level, I think that really gave us belief to, to kick on from there and I suppose, listen, we had, a, we had a few chances to see it out and we didn't take them and that's, that's sport, that's the way it falls and um, listen, we'll... We'll sit down over the next couple of weeks. We'll we'll enjoy the Christmas. We'll we'll look back on our three in a row, and we'll we'll go to the well again next year and hopefully build on this again. Yeah. Before I do it, you go. You must be disappointed with the opening quarter. We're probably a bit of a nerves there, Paul, as well. But. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, I suppose um, you know Ballyhale are a, they're a famed team. They've they've won so many All Ireland clubs. There's so many high-profile players there. I suppose. Um, yeah, just to got that little bit of run of us running us at the start, but. Uh, this team has gone to the well so many times. We've um, we've been down by 13 points, 12, 11 points, and we've always turned it around. And we, we'll never panic. And um, we showed that again today. And listen, the, the best of luck to Valley Hill in the, the Leinster final. And uh, hopefully, we'll we'll get another crack at them next year. Yeah, and thanks a million for having a chat with me. I know I met you with the family and a few of the lads there after the match. But uh, on your own performance, well done. You got four cracking scores. And for a man who wasn't on the original 15 to play there, you didn't do too bad. <laughs> you weren't listed, but you started with a number 17, I think, on your back. And you did really well. So fair play. I don't know what the tactic was there, but for me, it'd be on my first 15 anyway, Paul. <laughs> thanks very much. Yeah, thanks a million. Uh, listen, some days it breaks for you, some days it doesn't. And I uh, was just delighted I was able to take the opportunities today. And uh, I do enjoy listening to you on KCLR, listen to the club games, and listen to Kenny when they're playing. Um, it's always very insightful and I enjoy the crack that you have on the radio and uh, I'll enjoy listening to you into the future. Well, I appreciate that and thanks a million. Happy Christmas to you and your family. Commiserations, but well done on the train all. Thanks a million, lads. Thanks a million. Come on, thanks a million. Come on. Cheers. Well done. Come on, thanks a million. All right, yeah, yeah, well done. Yeah. Thanks very much. Well 
what a huge game that was and what a huge game it was for Tom Mullally as his nays side went up against his hometown of Glenmore knocking them out in the semi-finals in the process here's what you had to say after the game They really got stuck in from the world goal, the physicality and their overall hurling skill really top notch today. But it's what was needed, you mean, and stuff like that, like you're playing a serious team, like you're playing playing intermediate champions in Kilkenny, you mean they're playing senior next year and I would I would I would hope that they'll do well in senior next year, you mean and stuff like that. But you mean obviously this like these are all learning curves and stepping stones and stuff like that and for us today was a stepping stone as well. I mean we wanted to get to a Leinster final, yes, we had the hunger to get there, yes we did, yeah. Um, we answered that question today, you mean, so that, but we didn't know that before today. You know, so that, that we play ourselves. Obviously, the penalty save was a big moment in the game. It would have been just two points in it had they scored that penalty, so it was a big, big save by Cormac. Yeah, and that's what he's. I'm not being smart, but that's what he's there for too. You mean so that he, he 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 would have watched penalties and stuff like that. And to be credit to credit to him, he's a, he's a serious keeper, and thankfully he's our number one. And what was it like for yourself? I'm sure you probably have mixed emotions today, as going up against your own club, and I mean, you're not just a club member down there. Your family's absolutely steeped in the Glenmore club and the history of it. <laughs> I'm just glad it's over. That's all I know. You mean and stuff like that, and the fact that it is over, and, and and we got a result. You mean obviously, kind of Glenmore have have a bigger prize than you mean with kind of playing senior hurling in in Kilkenny next year. For us, this was important. It's an important stepping stone in terms of development, in terms of pushing on, and also in terms of ambition. You mean and stuff like that. Like I know the lads are playing football next weekend, and we wish them the best of luck and stuff like that. But for today, it was hurling. You mean and it's it's a huge huge day. Any semi final, like if, if if we lost today, we're forgotten. That's the bottom line. Is that you mean a real stuff sign like. of progression now, having lost to Tullerone a couple of years ago to beat the Kilkenny Intermediate Champions this year? Well you can lose any team any day I, I think the important thing is, is that you try and learn lessons and I, and I think the lads are, are 24 months older you mean and stuff like that so I, I think they have that bit more um, wisdom behind them and, and, and they've learned lessons harsh le- you mean and stuff like that along the way but they've learned and our panel is constantly changing like from the county final of 2020 we've lost three three lads you mean and stuff like that they've had to be replaced and put in that's why all credit today goes to the players I mean and their application and thankfully their desire was where we wanted it, like, you know. It's a huge boost for Nays Hurling, but it's also a huge boost for Kildare Hurling. Oh yeah, you mean like any time, any time a, a, a county champion it, it kind of kind of wins, it, it, it's it's great for the clubs that they, that they represent. And Nays Hurling, like we're under no illusions that 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 in, in 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 winning a championship, that's our responsibility going into going into Leinster. You mean like we can't back off that. That's that's something we've 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 earned the hard we've earned it the hard way to kind of win that to win the championship, and it, it puts a, it puts the responsibility on our shoulders, and the lads are quite comfortable with that. Sorry, is it important as well though this is a monumental win and no mistake about it for first Kildare side to beat the Kilkenny team but there's no silverware here today so you'll have to obviously absolutely enjoy this in the, in the weeks over Christmas and everything else but then get back down to business and look to, to win the trophy at, you know, at the end of it Yeah you could potentially overplay the whole Kilkenny you know in Kildare thing as well and I appreciate to, to lo- that, that, that might be important but to us it was a semi-final and it was, it was hugely important that we treated it as, as a semi-final and we played the game not the opposition I mean and stuff like that and we had to solve problems there today we had to apply ourselves and thankfully we we solved more problems, I mean, than than you know and stuff that way. So it, it helped us over the sixty minutes to get a result. Managing the break, will that be will that be the Christmas break? <laughs> I'll probably get a Christmas present this year. That's, that's the kind of uh, so. You might not the brothers today. After yeah, the, no, that's true. Yeah, but look, uh, they'll have to get over that. Tom, I know you don't want, you don't want to play it down, but it's the first time in ten years a Kilkenny team now are not in the Leinster final, regardless of where you're standing, what colours you're wearing. It is a massive move for them for for Nace and Kildare. 
Ah, yeah. Look at, you I mean, I suppose it, it, it's all small signs. It's developing. You mean, as players, you mean, and, and like we think we have a panel, you mean, and stuff like that. And that's important. It's more, it's like the fact we, we think we have a panel rather than just a team is important to us. I know today we only brought in a couple of souls, but when, when Ross went off, when Richie went off, there was lads to step in there and, 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 and seal the deal, and there was lads ready to come on there. So that's part of develop. And I suppose if you have a strong panel, you expect to compete at, at a higher level, you mean, and stuff that way. And I think today we're quite happy that, you know, that everything went our way. You mean, another day it mightn't go that way. You mentioned no. that subs, and even from wearing our Kenny hat, the physicality that you brought, the subs you were bringing on, seemed to be chiselled, you know, and hard. Like that, obviously, hurling and football matches, and as much as we love football in Kilkenny, it does help the Kildare world, you know, tactically as well. I know you don't, you know, the hurling and the football clubs are mixed here, but it certainly plays and to an advantage being able to play a hurling and football at the top level. Oh, it is, yeah. Like, there's no, you I mean, in terms of conditioning, like footballers usually are, are, are well conditioned, but thankfully we've, we've only two footballers, so the rest are all hurlers, uh, thankfully. Uh, you mean, you, the, I mean, their condition doesn't reflect mine. That's what you're trying to say. There, is it? Um, so look at it. No, absolutely. I mean, it, it, it's it's like these lads have put a lot of work in. You mean and stuff like that, and they've they've gone down. And Kilkenny have been very, very, very um, good in, in in relation to accommodating kind of kind of Kildare teams and stuff like that. And that's really, you mean, it, it's helping helping spread it. And today it's worked out for us. Other days it won't work out. You mean, there's no doubt about that. Just on the game itself, Tom. Three guilt edge goal chances before the quarter break. Were you worried at the water break because there were three serious, there weren't half chances, there were serious misses. You know, and knowing Kilkenny and knowing Glenmore, you were always you were leaving them in the game. It seemed. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I definitely thought it was probably four scoring chances that, that we that we should have had, regardless of whether they were pints or goals. I mean, um, and, and I, I, it was just probably that that over anxiousness at the start of a game and things. Like that. But I thought we relaxed and once once we stopped the space developing and the runners coming through, I, I thought that kind of helped a lot in, in in keeping out the goal chances at the other end. You know, stuff like that. And today it was important we, that we didn't see too many goal chances you know um, I'll finish Tom I'm not sure will you be drinking a Pat Barnes the weekend enjoy the Christmas thanks <laughs> thanks, <laughs> thanks very much keeping with GAA here's Alan Nolan the GAA development officer at IC Carlo Yeah, we're, we're delighted to be able to host the finals. We uh, we were actually due to host the finals last year and obviously with everything that was going on with COVID and uh, games being cancelled and no third level uh, Gaelic games, uh, it didn't go ahead. So we were delighted to get the call this year then to be able to, to host the kind of finals finals week. Uh, for You mentioned no third level Gaelic games going ahead last year. Uh, for someone that's involved in the development of players and people obviously kind of now progressing, which is the college lifespan, they progress to the next level. Some people end up leaving the college, uh, as is the natural progression. How uh, upsetting is that from a player's development point of view to not have that final year that they would have had playing GEA? Yeah, look, it's, it was difficult on, on some of the players that were in their final years and didn't get to, to play on their, on their final year. Um, look, part, part of the GA club is a big part of a lot of the students' life. Uh, obviously, academically, they're, they're getting through their course and they're enjoying that, but the GA club, both from a social aspect and an enjoyment point of view, as well as a competitive team to play with. So, look, some of the students were obviously unfortunate, um, but a lot of things last year, there was a lot of different things going on. Uh, that really were out of everyone's control so um, we, everyone just had to get on with it everyone had to make uh, sacrifices as well so certainly well I, I suppose now to have the finals it, it brings some great exposure uh, to IT Carlo because of the facilities that are there 
Yeah, look, it's brilliant. Look, we, we last posted the, the Sigerson and Fitzgibbon. I think it was, Fitzgibbon was in 2007 and the Sigerson 2008 uh, in the college. And I actually wasn't involved, but they ran really well uh, with the help of uh, Carlo G and local clubs. Uh, but I suppose since then, we've uh, obviously developed our own facilities in the college. Um, we have our new South Sports campus after coming on board with uh, a new uh, and a full-size grass pitch. So um, hosting, it, hosting it this year is going to be a lot different than, than, than 10 or 15 years ago because we have our own facilities um, and hopefully won't need to use external uh, grounds. So it just kind of keeps everything into one, one area. Yeah, the the new sports complex the, close to the main camp has opened up over the past year, giving you more pitches, more facilities, and like it, it's really nice to know that that investment has paid off in such a such a public way because the facilities are some of the best in Ireland. Yeah, look, it's it's a seriously fine facility. We're delighted to be able to to, to have the, the new South Sports campus. I was uh, trying to schedule in games and training on one pitch uh, from uh, year that was involved and. Uh, it was obviously quite difficult when you had 10 teams playing uh, during, during the year. <laughs> I can and imagine. With, with, with weather conditions as well. So, look, we're, we're steep. They've, they've really invested in sports. They see the benefit of sports. Um, and um, we're just delighted to be able to to have the facilities and then obviously uh, in, in the games. Yeah, and it gives back to the community as well. It's not just from a college point of view. Like the, we've seen the ladies' football county final being played there, along with other important games. It must be f- quite rewarding to be able to provide, say, Carlo GA with these facilities as well as your own students. Yeah, look, we we obviously have the, the sponsorship link with Carlo GA, and look, we're delighted to be able to uh, the ladies' finals. And I know we've we've hosted O'Byrne Cup games and watch cup games for, for Carlo and men's teams as well so look we're, we're delighted to be able to share the facilities um, uh, during the time of sports when it, they're not really needed uh, as much um, say in the summer time when, when we don't have students on, on site it's able to work with the local community and be able to provide opportunities for them too you have a number of inter-county stars that go to IT Carlo uh, do you think the facilities like this and the news of your probably host some the biggest games in college GDA will only attract say more uh, say minor players or, or, or other GA players to IT Carroll yeah look look, we, look we're obviously hoping to try and, and attract um, obviously more people to the college first and then obviously if, if, if it comes in that there's more GA players all, all the better too um, but look I suppose from our point of view getting uh, becoming a technology university later on in, in the summer is going, will hopefully be a big uh, pull for for players as well and for new students coming into the area and obviously linking up with, with WIT and the Wexford campus. So, look, that's it. That's exciting from, from our point of view um, and being able to offer students the, the chance to graduate with a technological university degree. Uh, one of those inter-county players is Kilkenny's own Cody. He's after winning Young Hurler of the Year now for the second consecutive year. How good is it for IT Carlo GA to see one of your own at the highest stage, knowing that you've helped give him a platform to, to perform? Yeah, look, we're, we're really looking forward to seeing Owen playing with the college and after Christmas. Um, obviously, with last year, we actually haven't seen Owen um, play a game for IT Carlo yet, so we're really looking forward to him. Uh, the IT Carlo jersey in the new year and um, going out and performing for, for us in the Fitzgibbon stage. Uh, Owen has had an unbelievable year, uh, an unbelievable couple of years really, um, with, with Bat Gale and Kilkenny. 
obviously getting two uh, young players of the year awards is is a just reward for his performances during the championship and obviously being recognised by his uh, peers as well. So look, we're really looking forward to Owen. He's a he's a serious talent and um, really nice fella as well. So it's really um, looking forward to seeing him uh, play for Carlo. And he'll be lining out tomorrow now for Ballyhale against St. Marinas. That game's live here on KCLR from 1 o'clock tomorrow. Um, I suppose if we're talking about the future game tomorrow, what does the future hold for IT Carlo GA? Because it's only gone from strength to strength recently. You mentioned the university status as well. Is there, is there any kind of immediate or long-term plans for the future with, uh, with GEA uh, specifically? Yeah, no, not not really. Look, we're just we go out every every year. All the teams go out and do their best and perform to the best of their ability. Um, obviously, coming down the line, the Technology University, whether there's going to be campus teams or whether there's going to be a, a one overall team, I'm not 100 percent sure. It won't be. But um, so I suppose planning um, too far too far down the line is not really I suppose achievable. Look, all our players, they enjoy playing with, with the college. They go out to give Everton when, when they do go out. So that's something that we're, we always see you know, our players go out and play games and enjoy themselves and hopefully um, do uh, the college proud and do themselves proud and um, win win and compete as best they can and uh, really good club players. While we're on a run of Carlo GAA, here's Carlo's record footballing goal scorer Paul Broderick on his recent retirement. Yeah, I think um, it wasn't a decision that came too quickly. I thought about it, I suppose, since it ended. Not that I'd be thinking about it every day, but a couple of times where I knew I'd have to make a decision or I, I kind of put myself into thinking if I was forced to make a decision, what way did I feel? And it was probably the first year where I felt I was questioning whether I would and um, like there's no doubt I, I suppose whenever the league starts uh, which is always a big competition for Carlo like and, and uh, you know you're chatting to lads about the buzz that'll be there before that starts in kind of January and the weather's improving and not that it's ever brilliant for it but I, I would I would imagine there'd be a little bit of a graph for it there um, you know especially while you, while you can still you know I can still move and run and whatever like um, but I I do feel it was, you know, I didn't, I didn't just wake up one morning and go, I, I want to finish. It was just, uh, it felt right for me at the time, and that's all. And uh, no doubt, though, still a, an incredibly difficult thing to come to terms with. Not alone just to decide, but come to terms with those feelings. Yeah, one of the big things for me was, I suppose, it, it, it forms a lot of uh, who you are. You, a lot, all, all your decisions you're making for a number of years, for, for certainly for nine or ten months of the year. Yeah are based around, and even the other two months, because you you don't want to let yourself out of shape either, and a lot of them are based around, uh, you know, how to make yourself the best inter-county footballer, uh, per se, or club football when it's club time, and uh, that, even now, still, it's, uh, I find myself preparing for, like, I'm, I'm back playing a little bit of soccer, and I find myself preparing probably in the same way. It's a culture that's nearly gone into you from um, the years of being in there, um, so, yeah, it's, I suppose it's a huge part of your identity, um, it's, it's probably the way I'd sum it up. You said you're going back to playing soccer. Any teams fortunate enough to have you? Who is who? Who are you playing with? I playing with New Oak in Carlow uh, last couple of weeks. So it's uh, it's really enjoyable. There's a good group of about eighteen or twenty lads there. Some lads from when I I last played about ten years ago, and then a lot of new faces. <laughs> so it's hard to keep up with the young lads now, but it's good crack. I can I can attest to that. That's why they put me as the manager. I was too crack to be able to keep up with any of the young lads. But a good win anyway, nonetheless, for New Oak today. 
Yeah, good win. We were um, we were under pressure for a while. Uh, it was two 0 then to all, and uh, looked like it was going to go to extra time, and and we got the winner then with with five or six minutes to go, Lee Walker. So yeah, it was a uh, it was a good win. It puts us into the fourth round of the the Leinster then. And then you should, is it is he like it? The the discipline that you're bringing from an inter county kind of uh, perspective, and you're bringing that to your club with Tin Ryland, and then you're trying to bring it into the soccer kind of thing as well. Uh, is, is it weird knowing that lads are at different kind of levels of fitness and different levels of discipline? Because I find that when the GEA lads coming back into the soccer, you know they they have um, almost even a different preparation as opposed to the soccer lads. Um, yeah, it was a little bit. Uh, it's I f- I'm finding it enjoyable. It's refreshing. It's not that like the GA. It's not that I, there's anything wrong with the way we would prepare for the GA, but I suppose, as I said before, you'd always, for nearly the whole year around the clock, uh, like it's a long time since I, um, or it's a, it's a fair while since, we'll say, GA finished and then I wasn't thinking about it for another another good while. And, and club doesn't really kick off till March. Like, you're keeping yourself in, in shape and all. But I'd probably say that 10 years ago, before I went in with the county um, for kind of a consistent stint, I wasn't probably... Uh, you know, I wasn't doing the same things for my club in terms of like in an off season. Whereas now I'm looking at that, you know, it's it's easy because you've been doing it for so long. It's easy to keep it going. You kind of feel that I don't want to, we'll say, not go to the gym a couple of days or whatever it is. And I, I think that's uh, it. It forms like it. It forms a great kind of culture in yourself to kind of you want to keep fit and want to train. Um, but I do enjoy the relaxed nature, the more relaxed nature, like and the kind of I suppose less, a little bit less expected. It's it's uh, it's more for fun. Even though it is on on the Tuesdays, Fridays, Sundays, it's taken very seriously. But it's not a an all-consuming thing seven days a week. You know what I mean? And going back to something that was all-consuming, obviously the GEA, a lot of people would be very interested to hear your thoughts and a kind of a retrospective look over your career. Like from your own perspective, could you have imagined the career that you would have had? Because the scoring stats there, for for admittedly a smaller county, have been off the scale. Yeah, well, I suppose when you've Sean Gannon jumping on the ground, it helps cause you, you get the freeze. <laughs> I know it. Uh, it's look. I suppose like I was lucky enough to be in the in the years like kind of it was seventeen, eighteen, where we got to play more games. Like so, we you know we five championship games one year and three another. Whereas I suppose in a lot of years like we I think Carlo went from two thousand and eleven to seventeen maybe without winning a a first round championship game. So. Like, if you take that and then take a year like 17 where we got five games, I think it was 2017, we got five, like, that obviously helps to bring up your scoring ratio or your your, your scores, um, your total scores. But I was part of a, a kind of a, I was only reminiscing there with one of the lads talking recently, and the, the team that played Dublin in 2017, I think there's three lads left on the squad that started that day. Um, and there's been a huge turnaround in the last probably year to 18 months. And it was kind of a it was a great group of players kind of coming together at the same time that had many of them had kind of ploughed you know lots of them coming into their thirties and had ploughed through lots of years where they didn't have um, many victories or success and I think you know a huge amount of credit there is owed to uh, Turtle O'Brien for getting all those lads in and uh, and then I suppose I, my job was at times was simple because uh, a lot of them were frees but it was. A testament to the the good play going on around me, I suppose that I was afforded the the opportunities to, to kick him over the bar or whatever. And and you mentioned kind of the banner years of uh, seventeen, eighteen, and when you look back on your time in that Carlo jersey, I suppose two moments particularly stand out: the promotion to Division Three, and then beating Kildare for the first time in was it sixty five years in that year's championship. Um, when we were talking to Shane, and generally when we talk to people of that era, they kind of 
they they jump between the two and which one they they would prefer as their standout moments. But they're the two that stick out. Would it be any different for yourself, or would it be those two? And in particular, would you have one? Um, those two. I think the the feeling that kind of uh, feeling on one day itself, like the the Antrim thing, um, getting promoted to Division Three was something that was we tried for so long it's not like we tried to be Kildare specifically every single year whereas to get promoted from Division 4 sorry to 3 was uh, was something where any year you've been in McCarlo that's always been the main goal um, and like that that's just particularly special um, Kildare as a kind of a you know it, it took a while for that one to sink in I suppose and how big it was um, and kind of you'd only really realise I suppose when you know stuff like we wouldn't have known that we hadn't beaten them in 65 years. Like um, we would have known. Obviously, we were lesser lights by comparison. But um, yeah, it was a it was a game a huge. So the result a huge gravity. Like it, it sent a few ripples around, and I think we kind of got we got a respect um, which which we earned like over that kind of period. Um, those two are big, and I'd also throw in there like we that game in 2017 against Wexford. Like I said, it was kind of a six-year drought in the championship, and uh, we we're coming off the back of three or four Division 4 league wins, albeit we'd, we'd fluffed up our chances early in the league by losing to London and Leitrim, but we won our last three league games against Wexford, Wicklow, Waterford, in, in I'm not sure what order, but we won those and then came into that Wexford game kind of um, kind of buzzing, so like it was, I don't know, it was a huge win, it was a special day because we'd gone so long without a without a championship win, um, that was a really good day, um, really enjoyable, like, and it was a home game, you know. Plus, you grabbed ten points yourself as well, so I suppose that's a kind of a bonus and a plus for you there. Yeah, well, I was reminded last time I told someone that that I was also sent off on two yellows. <laughs> <laughs> I was afraid to maybe go, you know, to say it was that special. But no, it was. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it was one of those days. Now that was probably if I speak a day where I know Kildare, we didn't kick any wides, um, but with Wexford, anything that kind of swung my leg off and play went over, and it's just yeah, it's. it's uh, Great memory, great memory. But the the three of them are like, and there's more than just that. But they are, yeah, they're they're standouts. Well, well, when you look back on that time as well, um, like some people say, it was probably the best Carlo team, and uh, Turlough did kind of bring another level of professionalism to the camp. Um, but they came, you came in for a lot of criticism for the style of play for for the panel. Was that frustrating to see your success being somewhat spoiled? Did you use it as a motivational tactic? Shane Redmond said he enjoyed it, but he was on the other end of the pitch, of course, because there was this almost defensive style of play associated with you. Yeah, well, I suppose on the kind of the greatest team thing, there's a, there's probably a recency bias, and I'm guilty of that myself. Whenever you're looking at something, you know, I'm I'd look at like Liverpool teams now, which I've no clue of Liverpool teams and they were successful before or whatever, you know, and it's the same probably with Man United fans and like because this Carlo team is recent, we we tend to think that, but sure, you know, there's great players and great teams went before. Um I think to be honest with you, like the the I, I'm reluctant to call it a defensive system. It was kind of defence first and it was like we shipped such massive scores. Um Stephen Poacher came in under under Turlo and one of our one of the management's main goals was look, we need to keep down the amount that we're scoring, and we found the most effective way to do that was to apply uh, kind of a zonal defence system. And uh, one of the things where I got, like, the, of course, there were frustrating times in that um, there were times where uh, a lot of the play, by the way we played, a lot of the play was soaked up, but it was so exciting then going forward because when we broke and we had pace in a couple of positions, it was kind of, I like, one of the one of the phrases that sticks out from Turtle and Poacher was, like, it was 
role clarity and role acceptance like and that was huge in the squad and that if they make the role clear and you accept it that it would work and we found out numerous times particularly against teams that would be expected to beat us that it did work you know now, I know we were found out in plenty of games but it brought us to I suppose new heights and I didn't find it anyway frustrating uh, like I like to laugh and joke and you know with Turtle and Poacher and say that oh sure you'd be up there on my own and you know you'd go training and you wouldn't touch the ball but the truth <laughs> of it was like it was the most enjoyable time ever to play for Carlo and that's being honest about it. Um, I didn't find it frustrating. It was probably a little bit frustrating to hear it pulled down a bit. But, you know, then, then there's the whole thing of, like, for years we weren't talked about at all. So, um, you know, it's to be actually in, in the conversation about... Um, I don't think there was too many people in Carlo that, at the time when we were in Division 4, that were complaining. It's when we started to lose a few games in Division 3, um, you know, quite often people just want to see their team win. They got used to us winning maybe probably 10 of the previous 15 games in the year before and, and uh, then of course like uh, you know there, maybe the system probably needed a little bit of modification but uh, it was certainly from a player's point of view it was it was very enjoyable uh, time to play So what can someone now like Niall do because like he's trying to implement a new uh, Niall Carew that is for our listeners uh, he's trying to implement a new kind of someone saying a more expansive style of play or something like that but whenever we're talking to players that have played under Turlow during a, that particular time, they mentioned that was the best time playing for Carlo. So what can Niall do to make future players, people that are going to be coming onto the panel, people that, people that are currently on the panel, to make sure that their time and their tenure in a Carlo jersey from now for the foreseeable is what they regard as their favourite time in a Carlo jersey? Jeez, that, that is a question now, Shane. I, 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 I suppose there's no, there's no magic fix, there's no answer. Um, like last year, while disappointing, we were like if if you give me loud beaters in in a chance to go up to Division Three, and right on the day they were the better team, and we were probably too open at the back. But like, like that is something that can be fixed over a number of months on a training field. Like, I certainly think the players, um, there's a different type of player there now. There's a younger profile, and there's lots and lots of scoring forwards, which. Um, you know, probably helps my tally in that we had two or three lads who were doing most of the scoring during, we'll say, 17 or 18. Um, and we had an array of guys, like we probably had eight or nine guys scoring in some of our league games last year. So I think that's maybe another pin in the collar that, that Niall has, uh, or, or kind of a string to the board that Niall has uh, at his disposal. It's uh, it's about maybe shoring it up a little bit. You know, getting a balance between that and, and, uh, and uh, the defence, it's... Uh, he certainly has a job in his hands, but it'd be interesting to see. Like I know, I know that Joe Brennan has uh, hasn't been able to commit, and there's uh, a new coach in there, Ronan Joyce, I think his name is. So it'll be interesting to see what what his style is, what he puts on it. You know, between himself, Niall, and, and Simon and Victor, and the lads that are in there, like what style they go with this year will very will be very interesting. But I, I certainly think to sum up that they have the score and forwards. Um, in there to, to cause any team problems, um, particularly in Division Four, and I think that it's uh, it's a matter of getting that balance right between the back and the front, um, and then they could see success. From football to Camogie, Dixborough Camogie player Nee Feeling joined us to discuss her recent awarding of the Scoreline Sports Person of the Month. Yeah, it was a great win. We were looking for the minor one after winning the senior and even minor with Kenny, so it was a good one to get at the end. And, like, it, it, like from a 
personal aspect getting the David Boogie Sports Star of the Month award is, is cool but to win anything with your club just must be absolutely tremendous now this is a double like going back to the Pilltown victory how special of a win was that and is there a comparison between the James Stevens victory today and the Pilltown victory um, well I'd say the Pilltown one was just like training for the whole year with like those girls like they're like sisters and it was just like class to win it um, just for each other even it must have been a special year because to win the county championship in any grade in any different team it, it, it's something that really bonds a group of players together and you seem to have that kind of camaraderie throughout the team uh, where, where does that come from? Um, it comes from everyone like individually we all just like we kind of just bonded and we knew it so we used that to our advantage and it clearly was visible on the pitch as well and when you started the season then, was that the aim, if you're going back to the start of the championship, was that always the aim to come out and be the champions come the end of it? Yeah, well, we won the first senior in 2019 and in 2020 then we had, we didn't have a great year, like we knew there was way more in us, so we knew that we had to prove it this year and that's what we did. And you came away with the player of the match in that county final. From a personal perspective, because you're alluding to the fact that it's a team thing and there's a lot of camaraderie, but from a personal perspective, did you take away a great sense of pride of putting in such a good performance on the biggest day of the year? Yeah, obviously, like, it's some achievement. But, like, as I said, it's a whole team performance that even, like, everyone around me has to play well for me to play well. So... It's quite modest. Uh, everyone will have to play well as well. You have a Leinster Championship game coming up against St. Jude's. That's January 15th. So there's going to be quite some time between uh, between those games. Uh, I know yourself, you're, you're still involved. We mentioned the James Stevens win. But uh, are you still kind of training? Was there a bit of a lull after the county final? What, what way did it work? Uh, we took about a week off and then everyone kind of just got back into it now so we're back training every week and do you train then just your own game because like the game against St. Jude's is is that a weird game to prepare for in some ways because would you know an awful lot about them compared to the Kilkenny teams that you meet or what kind of goes into a preparation for a game against a team in a different county yeah it's more difficult anyways you kind of know who their star players are and stuff but even like people would know some girls from college and stuff so we'd have some sort of idea and you mentioned college you're you're in the presentation college if if I'm correct is it hard to to balance the camogie with your studies are are you in leaving cert year now yeah I'm in leaving cert and yeah it is it's getting more difficult now towards coming up towards the new year but like everyone's good like they facilitate us well if we needed a day off training or anything like we'd be allowed to do that and will it say like will you now take a kind of a a bit of a break or are you going to still train over Christmas because the game is just a little over a month away at this stage so is there kind of a a time to rest and relax so take a bit of time away from your studies take a bit of time away from Camogie or is it kind of full hog leading up to the provincial game um, I'd say I'll be full on enough like I'm training with school over Christmas and I'd say with the bear as well we might get a week off or something but other than that it's full on well Neve, thanks very much for taking the time as we said the David Boogie Sports Star of the Month award was 
rightfully so been awarded to yourself after your performance for Dixborough in the county final against Pelletown another victory today we're looking forward to seeing where the Camogie landscape lands for you and for Dixborough over the next year and best of luck I'm sure we're going to be talking to you again as well maybe after another fantastic performance against St. Jude's in January but thanks for taking the time out of the day enjoy the day considering that you won the minor championship and best of luck for the rest of the season thanks very much thanks for having me On to soccer. Brian O'Reilly from the Carlow District League about the upcoming inaugural scoreline.ie Women's Shield. It was fantastic. I suppose the idea behind it, Shane, was that with the Camogie and everything else and uh, that was going on in the delays of the season, we were struggling to get the women's teams going. So it was suggested we come up with an idea. Thankfully, yourselves and Scoreline uh, came on board as sponsors, which allowed us to run the competition. We bought and purchased a brand new shield, uh, which will be presented on Wednesday night for the first time ever. And the medals, everything is ready to go. Uh, it's been a great five weeks as the teams played each other. Uh, Mill and New Park came out top, top two in the table. Uh, Credit Yard just missing out. Uh, despite only losing one game, had two draws, finished in third place, and deep fighting to the league. So yeah, we're looking forward to tonight. Uh, the final should have been today, but unfortunately, Mill and New Park, uh, well, not unfortunately, good news for ladies soccer in Carroll. Mill and New Park are in the next round of the LFA Ladies Cup, which was scheduled for today. So hence why the final had to be moved to Wednesday night. But I think the weather gods will be with us. It'll be much better than it was last Wednesday night, please God. And we're looking forward to um, a very exciting game as these two teams should be very close and it's a really hard one to call who's going to win this um, so it is so it could be it could go all the way to extra time penalties we never know uh, New Park are out against Balrath FC uh, Mill Celtic uh, didn't have a great day against Colester Donna Kearney is there any results coming in from the New Park game as of yet that you know of? No the New Park game was a later kickoff. off uh, Mill Celtic was a 1pm kickoff. New Park weren't kicking off until 2pm so we, we don't have a result uh, yeah, but certainly Mill Celtic will be hoping to put that behind him very quickly and prepare for for the ninth final. Uh, they've had some great results um, in, in in the scoring that he shield, uh, beating Dean Celtic three 0 beating Craig Yard three 0 and beating Killery ten one. So um, they, they're looking to themselves and New Park actually didn't play each other. Unfortunately, that game was awarded to New Park. Mill couldn't feel the team on that morning uh, due to a Camogie final. It was meant to be the opening game, so they haven't actually played each other which makes it a little bit even more exciting for Wednesday night because the ball ended up on top, um, technically unbeaten, because Mill hadn't been beaten on the pitch yet in the scoreline shield. So it could be a really interesting final. It certainly will. Uh, Mills are in relation to New Park and the results today. I should just message my sisters, my two sisters, Jenny and Ali O'Keefe, playing with New Park after playing Women's National League uh, over the past few years, coming back from a local perspective. So I'll be able to find out from them anyway. So we'll read the results as of later. But it's just a great spectacle expected now on Wednesday night. Uh, kind of, I mentioned it briefly there as well. Collection going up against Thomastown yesterday. Uh, a lot of Kilkenny and Carlow teams still have an interest in Leinster action. This is in the under 19 but a great victory for Collection nonetheless it was and indeed I was just as you ranked me uh, Shane I was actually in the middle of writing the match report that I received in uh, it sounded like a very exciting game both teams several chances and uh, Scott Rycroft uh, seems to have been the difference again between the two sides Scott would have been Carlo Kilkenny League of Ireland pedigree since he's come back to play for Collection and Jack Byrne so that's Collection and Hanover Harps now both of them into the last 16 of the under-19 LFA Cup, which is a fantastic achievement. 
Um, the draw for that is going to be streamed live on the LFA Facebook page on Thursday night. And we're very optimistic here in Carlow that if they can avoid each other for as long as possible, we don't see any reason why the two of these can't go a long way. Hanover Harps after having some fantastic results, as has Collection in the first few rounds. Uh, Hanover won up in Arklow 6 0, the bit Mullingar 7 1. Uh, Collection have now overcome uh, Thomastown and they beat St. John's Vanny uh, in a tight game after extra time in the other round. So it's for the two of them to be the last 16, uh, it's fantastic work. Uh, New York obviously are in the men's LFA action today. They're our last team left in that. Again, I don't have an update uh, at the moment. But uh, yeah, it's an exciting time for football in Carlo. Our leagues have started, obviously, and they're going very well. Uh, all three divisions are very close with some exciting uh, times ahead for the second half of the season. In the Premier Division, you're looking at Credit Yard, New York, Collection, Hanover. Uh, in Division 1, it's a three-way battle between Ardath and Bale and St. Pat's B. Uh, and that's going to be a very tense battle for the second half of the season. And our Division 2, I suppose, was a big surprise. It was our biggest division with 10 teams. Uh, we've had St. Joseph's blowing everybody away at the start. And nobody could have expected that from the Ting Island side. Uh, but now we've got Roundtown Rovers, Barton Glass, Burn Celtic, and New York B all catching up. And you've got the top four, five teams there uh, separated by only about four points after their, their nine games around one. So it's going to be some very exciting football uh, to be played in January, February, March in those three divisions. Uh, speaking of January as well, January 2nd, a lot of eyes will be on that, that date as well. It's going to be the final of the KCLR Shield. Yeah, and, and, and you know, you remember I've been on several Sundays talking to you about this and how much of a successful competition this was. Uh, and we felt that we wanted to get the final played rather than leave it till March or April while, while the good the good will and, and, and the good feel from this exciting Champions League-style tournament was there. So we've got Slaney Rovers and New Oak. Both had uh, good wins in the semi-finals. Both came through their group stages really well. Both playing good football. Uh, Slaney beat Pats this morning in the Premier 4-0. So we kind of felt it's the 2nd of January. We, we, we were shutting down now after next weekend for a couple of weeks. We felt it was a good time to play. Uh, I wouldn't interrupt league fixtures or anything like that. So we're going to play it in Burns Celtic. Uh, in Ballin, which is their, on their new state-of-the-art all-weather pitch. Fantastic facility up there. That guarantees us that the game won't be postponed due to bad weather. So I'm sure Slaney and New Oak now will be um, training over the Christmas and getting ready for what should be a really exciting final. Lots happening in Carlow soccer. There's lots happening in the national women's game as well. Blessing Kingsley, who would have played with Wexford Utes, ended up going over to the United States. Here's a great interview with a great person. Well, thanks for contacting me. It's nice to hear from you again. Hey, how, how has life in uh, America been treating you? I suppose the last time we spoke, you were only there a few weeks settling in, I suppose, but it just seems like everything has kind of came up in such a tremendous fashion for yourself. Yeah, uh, this last semester has been amazing. I've been there since... Uh, I left a little early uh, in July, so I've been there since July, and I just came back yesterday morning. So this past semester has been so much better uh, with COVID and playing and playing time and the games we played it was it was so amazing so it's been a better semester than my first yeah because last time we spoke to you you mentioned particularly in when it comes to soccer that the training sessions were quite demanding from a physical standpoint in maybe in comparison to what you're used to in ireland is the second semester no i wouldn't say easier i'd imagine it's quite demanding as well but is it still the case uh, have you found that it's maybe raised your game to the next level as you've become more accustomed to that kind of style of almost professional like uh, p- playing 
Yes, uh, I would say that the training level was even higher than my first semester at this semester. So, uh, I but I still found it almost easier because I felt that I was improving uh, as a player. I was a lot stronger, a lot faster, and my technical ability improved immensely just by being on the field every single day. So, you're also asking your body to uh, demand that much more out of your body because you're not used to training at such a high intensity day after day and you still have two games a week so um my body would definitely had to do a lot more but i felt like i was improving so much so um i'm just glad to see the improvements that i've made since over the summer well, we know Brendan Hennessy is listening in. He said, tell Blessing I said hello. I've been listening to previous interviews that you would have had with Brendan. He's a tremendous supporter of yourself, as we all are here in KCLR. So he just wants to send his regards anyway. Oh, that's great. I miss him a lot. <laughs> <laughs> in, in terms of your future in the sport, do you feel that you're in the right place? Considering you consider how strong women's soccer is in America, defending world champions. Um, yes, I would say that, you know, every player that's probably made the same decision that I have, you, you do wonder if you're making the right decision as a whole, and then, obviously, if you go to the right school. And the second I had my first session, the accident miss, I, I knew I'd made the right decision. And this season has just proved it as well. And I feel like compared to where I am, where I was before, I've improved so much. And just the standard and the level of professionalism and uh, having a coach that backs me as well um, and has a plan for me over the next four years, I feel like I'm at the right place to, to get to the level I want to be. When we watch professional sports, particularly in soccer where there uh, transfers and uh, people are moving different countries and stuff and some people say, oh, why hasn't that worked out or why hasn't that worked out? It's because there's a matter, massive cultural shift if you move from Spain, say, to England. But to move from Carlo to Missouri, I'd imagine, is quite a cultural shift for you. Have you become uh, more accustomed to America? Did it take you time to settle or more time than you expected or even certainly less time than you expected? Right, yeah, moving to, you know, uh, Southern Miss, like down, I'm in down south actually in Mississippi, so it's even a bigger shift uh, from Carlo to that part of America. But honestly, the main thing that was a big shock for me is this, you hear it a lot, but the Southern hospitality is huge. Like, they go out of their way to make sure that, you know, you're comfortable and you have friends in every single corner. They're just super nice, super friendly. So that definitely helped me adapt and feel comfortable. Like, right now this semester, I made the shift from, moving out of the dorms into my own very apartment. And people were just so helpful, you know, help me move in and give me things. There's so many things I didn't have to buy myself because I had so many people in every corner that were just willing to help me out and make sure that I was comfortable. So that sort of freedom and that sort of uh, comfort that you have in people surrounding you makes the move so much easier. Uh, speaking of comfort, I'd imagine comfort food, especially down south, <laughs> can be quite uh, tempting at times. Uh, have you managed to kind of stay away from the that kind of culture that America exudes when it comes to different types of foods? Yes, yeah, uh, I'm not going to lie. First semester was very difficult to uh, <laughs> resist. Everything is fried. So much sugar. Uh, it's insane. But this semester, I was le- definitely a lot more... Uh, dedicated to you know working on my diet and, make, and i've seen the improvements in my physique and working out a lot more and doing a little bit extra behind the scenes and um living in my own apartment was a big a big help for that as well because i'm cooking the food i'm going to walmart and buy myself and um make sure that i'm eating the right stuff and make sure that i'm fueling myself properly before games it's a lot harder to do that on campus in the dorms and the cafeteria and the food is 
so bad. So yeah, <laughs> this semester is definitely different. <laughs> well, I, I I suppose look just to use the the cliche, you are what you eat, and what you put into your body, you you know you generally get the benefits of benefits of it. But from a, a sporting aspect, obviously there's huge benefits, different proteins and, and that kind of things, but academically you're still going to have to remain on point with uh, your brain work and your brain power and stuff so how has that kind of aspect of college life been treating you because despite going over to the states and getting to play sports they still have such a huge emphasis on the academic side of things yes that's completely huge you know your first day that you're there you get reminded that you're a student first and an athlete second and that that's huge because if you don't have the right grades or you're you're not getting the right um grades in your classes you're not going to play you're not going to see the field so you have to get that right first and then focus on your sports but um yeah like it's great you know you have people behind your corner you have special tutors and if you're struggling with anything they will do what they can to help you get through that class as long as you try you will pass so um being uh thinking about your school first is is huge you know you're on the way to uh matches whatever and you're on the bus you're putting in your assignments before you know it's it's due that night, you know. So you're constantly traveling, constantly worrying about school. But once you have that balance, it's 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 great. It's great to feel like you're being so productive all the time. And being productive, you are. We kind of mentioned it just briefly at the start, but I suppose now is the time to talk to it. Last month, you were part of the team that won the Western Division. I suppose that must have been an incredibly special moment for you. Yeah, it's it's huge. You know, um, I'm I tend to be always on a team that's regarded as underdogs. With Wexford, are always underdogs compared to Shelburne or Piedmont and going to Southern Miss is the exact same. We, you know, we were underestimated last semester, and we did pretty well. And this semester, even after shocking everybody, we were still you know, thought to be fourth or fifth going in, and we won the whole thing. So um, it was a great achievement, and especially the, the group of girls surrounding. We are so young. We still have another three or four years. So, um, yeah, there's, there's going to be a lot of potential coming over the next couple of years. And in terms of people that you're interacting with that are playing on the team, how uh, uh, nationality-wise, how diverse are they? Are you generally playing with a lot more Americans? Are there other Irish people there? Would you be playing with other people from, say, South America, mainland Europe, Africa? Where, what what would the kind of makeup of the team be? One thing that's amazing about our team is it's split down the middle. Um, also, our coach, he's from, uh, he's from Egypt himself, so it's, he is emphasizing on bringing a mix of cultures, so... We have players from Germany, uh, Colombia, South Africa, uh, Slovakia, across the across the world, um, and then you have the Americans that are across the country as well. So you have a great blend of uh, uh, cultures and everything. Even just this uh, two weeks ago, we had Thanksgiving, so we had a little international Thanksgiving. So all the internationals came, and we all cooked different types of food and stuff like that. So having that different type of culture on your team is is huge to you know. Uh, open up your mind to different types of uh, people and uh, customs. And you did the Irish Pro by bringing cabbage, bacon and spuds over to the Thanksgiving dinner, <laughs> I'd imagine. Yeah, the spuds were definitely there. <laughs> <laughs> um, in terms of, you, you mentioned Shelburne and Peamount. Obviously, you're talking about underdogs, you're talking about your time at Wexford Utes. Did you get to see yeah. the spectacle that was the EVO.ie oh, yeah, final? I, I did, I was watching it. it was actually That was Thanksgiving Day, actually, so... Um, I was working out and I was I just had it on my uh my MacBook and I was watching I couldn't believe it. Adele's goal and the celebration. Unbelievable. Uh, I'm so proud of those girls and I was texting in the group chat telling them like, Come on, you got this, you got this but I'm I'm 
so thankful for the years I spent at Wexford, and it was a huge, huge part of me developing as a player. So it's great to see them, you know, get some silverware this year. Yeah, we were talking to your fellow Carlovians, uh, Kylie Murphy and Lauren Dwyer, as well as the manager, Stephen Quinn, not so long ago, because there's such a Kilkenny Carlo contingent there, because it is the team that is representing the almost the South. East region in uh, the Women's National League so it was a tremendous to see uh, see them achieve that also for yourself you've achieved some personal accolades over there you've made the All-South Regional team how proud are you of that? Yes that's an amazing achievement for myself I, I really wasn't expecting it you know last year I had a, a more um, uh, team role just you know uh, providing those opportunities for my other teammates to get those accolades but to get it myself this semester, it's just, you know, I really felt that I was rewarded for, you know, the goals and the assists assist I made in the games. And to see that I'm being recognized at such a high level, it's, it's amazing. I'm, I'm really proud of myself for getting that award. So I suppose now the question would be, what's the long-term goals? I know you still have to finish out your tenure in uh, Mississippi and you have to, as you mentioned, you have another three or so years to to continue that journey. But have you kind of had any more time to sit back and think about what's the the kind of long-term goal? Are you going to have a prolonged period in the States where you try and continue to excel at soccer or forge a career for yourself in the academic field that you've chosen? Or do you have any plans to return home? Yeah, uh, one thing that's great, of course, about the U.S. route, you know, emphasis on playing at such a high level and also getting your degree at the same time. But for me, the degree is still my, you know, my backup plan. My my main focus is to to go pro and see how long I can take and see how far I I can go. So, um, this summer, I'm just thinking short term. I'd like to stay in the states and play for uh, sign up for a team and just you know see how the standard is and um, just get used to still playing in the states because I feel like that's making me improve a lot as a player. And then you know at the end of the three or four years, see where I end up. But definitely going pro is my my main focus, and I feel like I'm on the right track to get there. And we asked Kylie uh, last week because she she got Player of the Year for the Women's National League, and we kind and we asked Lauren who got on the. Uh, best 11 of the Women's National League, if they had any advice for people that wanted to follow their journey. Now, you've had a different journey and where you've gone to the States. Would you have any advice for somebody that's listening in now from Kilkenny and Carlo, some young girl or indeed some young boy that have dreams and aspirations of making it in any type of sporting field? I think we have Mark Power over doing golf over there and we have various people. Declan McQuillan from Kilkenny went over there and he played uh, soccer. So what would the advice, if someone wanted to follow the trajectory that you went, where you went to the States and got to play and got to learn as well, what advice would you give them? Of course, I would, uh, you know, going to the States is a big thing, especially for me, I found myself was, um, I, I did not know what I wanted to study, so going to the States, you don't have to pick your major until your second or third year, so uh, that helped me have that flexibility where I was still able to give myself some time to figure out what exactly, what I want to do once my playing career is over, uh, while still pursuing my number one dream, so I would say that if you're on the fence about not knowing where you are or who you are as a person or what you want to study, going to the U.S. route would be would be great. And I just want to, you know, make a brief mention to how well the game is improving uh, here domestically. Um, it, it's great to see the standard when I came back over summer. It felt, you know, uh, a huge improvement since I started playing in the Women's National League. So that's huge too. But, you know, if you don't know what exactly you want to do, going to the States would be uh, a great opportunity for you to discover a lot more about yourself and become more independent and uh, figure out what you want to do later on in life.
now on to rugby and if you like a rugby talk you can listen to the Knock On Rugby podcast which drops every Thursday night but here's Mick Quinn former Leinster and Ireland fly half talking all things Champions Cup Ah, you old bats were very poor. I was really disappointed in their performance. And uh, Leinster just had a field day. They just literally ran around them. It was it was, um, it was boring enough to watch simply because it was so one-sided, you know. Uh, and Bath didn't really turn up to, to fight for it, you know. Uh, much more interesting what's been happening today, really. To be quite honest, other than Ulster's win was very sound win yesterday. They had a fine win away, and um, you know to win, to win like Munster, uh, to win like Ulster did, was uh, pretty special. I think, um, and I think it's a, it's a sign that Ulster are starting to come. They're starting to come good, and they did very well yesterday. In, in in terms of the Leinster Bath, I suppose not much was expected yeah. from Bath, and they probably lived up to those expectations. But a lot of people yeah. are presuming Claremont would beat Ulster as well. So, um, you know that 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 was a bit of kind of a shock to the system, I suppose. Yes, well, it was. You wouldn't uh, people generally wouldn't have expected um, Ulster to win in Claremont, but they did it very effectively, and they played really well, uh, which is you know something that's hard to do in France, you know. Uh, but but uh, Leinster, I mean, just polaxed uh, Bath. They they never really let them into the game, and and uh, Bath just weren't uh, technically up for the fight. And it was still in front. It, like there was, there seemed to be a, a massive crowd there, which is which is great to see. Um, hopefully, it'll continue on as the Champions Cup progresses. But as we're talking about progression, do you think Leinster? Will progress relatively easy from their pool with fixtures against the likes of Bath and Montpellier. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure that it'll be that easy. I, I think. I think uh, Montpellier will be tougher, uh, quite a bit t- tougher, and especially down in France. You know, it won't be. It won't be all easy for. It won't be all easy for Leinster. That's for sure. It's not. Uh, not an easy group, and uh, you know, going to Bath will also be a problem. Uh, in the sense that the pitch is very soft over there and it could end up being a bit of a quagmire match. Um, you know, nothing's easy in, in the in this European Cup and uh, you know, it's been lots of upsetting results for people uh, along the way. And uh, I think Leinster have a good chance, but I think they have a lot more to prove before they can take that trophy away again, you know. Yeah, going for their fifth Heineken Cup champions uh, star, yeah. you know. Um, yes. What, what, what do you make of Leinster's season so far, Mick? Because it was going pretty well until that defeat to Ulster a few weeks ago. Yeah, well, I don't really judge on that. I mean, Leinster, a lot of the... The, a lot of your first team players weren't playing that day against Ulster and uh, it was a different team turned out against Connacht the following week and, and you could see the difference the, you know they really really Leinster are a class unit it's, it's a Rolls Royce when it's in full flow and uh, they're, they're just a very very good side um, the, big, the big question is whether they're physically big enough to take on some of the French and top English teams and uh, so far, from what I've seen, I think they are good enough to certainly take them on. Whether they're good enough to win the competition is quite another thing, you know. But I, I, I think um, I think the Irish teams, uh, you will find, uh, 
you know, uh, will do will have, will have done very well and uh, seem to be doing very well, even up to this minute. Uh, Monster thirty two seven up in uh, in Coventry against Wasps. They're absolutely hosing Wasps, uh, and uh, it's a great performance by Monster because they have a lot of AIL players playing and, and they're playing very well, and scoring tries for them. And uh, it's been a very exciting afternoon because Connacht have already come out as winners in their match. So, uh, I mean, they've beaten Stade Francais in, in Galway, and that's a fantastic win. 27 points, yeah, I came away with the victory there, which yeah. was brilliant to see. Uh, you mentioned Munster there. Munster are all over Wasps. Yeah, they're yeah. all over them now. Wasps case. down to 14 men. You mentioned uh, Munster and uh, a fairly deplete, depleted Munster squad. Um, you know, w- would you say the situation around COVID in South Africa and then calling up so many youngsters meant that people maybe expected them to, to not come away with a victory here? Uh, yeah, people would have thought that, but the, you've got to remember Wasps have their own problems with COVID and with injuries, and there's hardly... You know, I mean, Jimmy Coppers was one of one of the few players I recognised in Wasps team today. Mm. So I mean, I, I think Wasps uh, full side would be a lot better than the one that that appeared today. And they played a lot of the game with thirteen men because they've had two guys uh, sent to the bin as well as the guy who was sent off early on in the game. And for me, it was a very dubious decision. I, I mean, I I I didn't see his uh, shoulder hit hit the player on the head at all and uh, I, I think it was a very rough decision to put him off uh, with a red card but having said that, Munster have been all over uh, Wasps and uh, with their few, few uh, AIL players playing, they've done very well and they've they've done themselves proud I think they'll be delighted with themselves Oh no doubt, like a, a lot of the conversation I would have with people involved in the rugby kind of centres around, uh, if we're talking about Munster, that maybe they're unable to enter the modern game they're kind of stuck between their old system and an implementation of maybe an expansive style of play possibly Van Graan might be on borrowed time what, what, what would you make of that? Yeah well I think I think Van Graan may be on borrowed time and I know they've lost their, their backs coach uh, he's going back to South Africa but um, I think um, I think Munster's problem is that when they meet a team that is physically able to stand up to them. They they go back to type, and they they they're inclined to go back to the pick and drive game, and not stick with the open running game that they're so very good at when they when they do it well. And they seem to lose confidence in themselves and and go back to the old style. Uh, from that point of view, it's it's not great, but um, you know, still, they, I think they've improved as a team, and I thought. Today was was um, a, a, quite an enlightening performance from them. Now the big names, Mulmahony and Byrne, and uh, you know, and those type of players have really come good today. They've they've dragged the other guys with them, and and uh, they've brought a very good performance out of them. And they've been helped, of course, by the lack of discipline in the Wasps team, getting the guys sent off in the first few minutes and then having two guys yellow carded. I mean, it's been quite an easy day for Munster in the end. And uh, Mick, just quickly on uh, Ireland, uh, three wins from three in November, including a very impressive win against the All Blacks. Uh, we've I've had yeah. many arguments with Robbie Dowlin, our producer in here, and he says it was a bit of a nothing game and how we kind of exposed the virtues of the Irish team and how it could be the it's going to be the same come World Cup time or come Six Nations 
Nations time. But from your educated opinion, are we in good shape heading into the Six Nations? Uh, I think we're in quite good shape because we have a good team and we know we're, we're, we have a good team. Uh, whether they're good enough to win the five nations or the Six Nations, I don't know. Um, we've got two very tough games away from home in France and England. So, I mean, it will be decided on those really because Scotland and Wales are here. You would expect Ireland to win those two games at home. But the two away games are going to be very tough indeed. and uh, They're going to be up against uh, a pack that's bigger than themselves. Mick, as always, it's an absolute pleasure getting to speak to you, a, a, a true gentleman in every sense of the world. No I, hope you en- I hope you enjoy the, the rest of your weekend off anyway. Thank you very much indeed, and uh, good, good luck to everybody listening in. And finally, Keen Barry, World Darts Youth Champion, on his upcoming World Darts Championship. All the, all the preparations have gone pretty well. I've been doing a, a bit of practice with Steve Lennon. Uh, he's, he's come up to the house here a few times, so it's uh, nah, it's really good and really looking forward to the, the lead-up is, is, is getting closer and closer to how it is, so it, it's all exciting. You're going up against a man with serious pedigree in Royden Lamb. Um, to, you, you'll have to get past him in the first round. He's played uh, on a big stage before. How tough do you think that opponent will be? Yeah, like I, I think everyone knows Ryden from the soft tip game, and, and, and he's massive over in Asia. So when, when I see not draw, it's of course uh, every, every game's a hard draw. But um, when I see that, I did a little bit of homework on him, and I, but I just know I need to kind of rely on my own game. I'm, I'm playing well at the moment. I just need to get up there on stage, do my own thing. I've played there the last two years, so I, I'll take all the experience from that and all of this year playing on the tour. So I think just need to rely on my own game, and hopefully things go my way. And you're mentioning, you know, being there the past two years, you're playing on the stage again, but this time in front of fans. Will it take some used to, uh, some getting used to and getting back used to it, or do you just go out there, like I suppose, the, the kind of culture that surrounds darts and how loud it can be and the, the, the flamboyance of it? Is it come to the stage where you have to block it out completely, just play your own game, or like does that factor into it at all? I, I think it's great. Like I played, I played a Pierre Wright in in Minehead there a couple of weeks ago, and there, there was there was a full crowd there, and I I just get a great buzz off it. So it, it, it kind of it, it drives me forward. You know what I mean? When when you're playing well, the crowd get get behind you, and it, it gives you a good feeling. So so I think it's it's great having the crowd back. Like I played a couple of events last year, there was no crowd. It's just it's it's not the same really because you don't get the buzz off them, and and it's not the same for them watching at home. You know what I mean? Uh, I think all the fans want to be in the venues watching, so I think it's, I'm really looking forward to this one. Yeah, like and he, like when we were talking to say Steve, I know we were talking to him last week, but when we were talking to him last year, he was saying with the whole kind of COVID era of darts, it was even difficult to get a good practice game in prior to the Worlds. Has this year been completely different now and how important are intense games prior to this championship? Yeah, like, you need, you need to be able to practice with, with, with each other. Like, playing online, it's it's, it's okay. Like, uh, my, my girlfriend's from Czech Republic. I've been practicing with another guy from Czech online. But when when you're practicing together in, in like, when, when you're in, in the house or in the shed out the back like it, it's it's much different than online because you, you can get in more of a rhythm you know what I mean there's more of a feel to it so it, the, the preparation I feel this year is, is, is a lot better than last year because you're kind of restricted to what you can do last year so and even with this year on the tour we, we were able to play a little bit more kind of um, freely 
it's a little bit easier, less stress with all these COVID tests and that's all that's kind of gone now. So it's, it's a little bit easier for us. And darting, kind of by the nature of the beast, is quite an individual sport. But there's a record number of Irish competitors in this year's world. There's a lot of younger darts players like yourself really pushing onto the big stage now. Like so, and Steve as well, Willie O'Connor, also. So, like, is there a camaraderie when you take kind of a national aspect into it, or is it just always kind of that individual thing? I think I think it's great to see all the Irish guys doing well. You know, I mean, we all sit together when we're at the tour. Whenever when I think Steve's on the day before me and Willie's on the day before me as well. So we 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 all want each other to do well, but obviously we need to concentrate on our own game first. So we do. We need to like obviously no one else can win for you. You have to look after yourself first. But obviously it is. It's really it's really nice to see all the lads doing well. And I think it's I think the same goes with the other lads. If I was doing well, they'd be happy for me, and if they're doing well. I'm happy for them, so it's, it's a nice little, uh, it's a nice little group. Uh, and speaking, of, if you do do well, you're going to have a tough fixture against Premier League champion Johnny Clayton lined up after that. Is there an eye on on, on that already, or would you do what the the sports person normally does and say we'll just focus on the next one at hand? I, I think you definitely you need to focus on on the first game and to, to make sure you get over that first game to get into the second round because you can do all the preparation for Johnny, but you need to get over right in the first. So it's. Um, is one of, I think it's I, I like Johnny. I've played him a few times on the tour. He, I, I know how he plays. He's a quick player. He just gets dominant, and, you know, and there's not really much you can kind of uh, preparation-wise for Johnny. He just he, he kind of plays the same game as me. So it's uh, but I, I need to kind of just get myself right to, to play right, and then hopefully get over that, and then I worry about Johnny after. Well, we wish you nothing but the best. We're going to be shouting on the Irish contingent over there and uh, Robbie and myself, massive darts fans as well, so we'll be no doubt shouting at the screens as well as shouting it on the airways. But uh, best of luck for that opening game. There's going to be a full capacity at Alexandra Palace this year with you know, most of last year's tournament held behind closed doors, so no doubt it's going to be a great event. Uh, encourage people to watch it. Millions of people tuning in around the world throughout Christmas. The sport has grown so much. It's great to see and it's great to see from an Irish perspective so Keen, thank you so much for your time and best of luck as you take on the World Darts Championship and represent Ireland over there Cheers Shane thanks very much That's been Scoreline Extra I've been Shane O'Keefe you can join us live every Saturday and Sunday on KCLR until then stay safe stay sane <laughs>